New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thank you for listening in. We are partway through our Book of Acts series. We are studying the nature of the early church and what does it mean for us. We, we hope that this message equips you, it blesses you, and it helps you in your walk with Jesus. Good morning. Would y'all stand with us as we read the word together? We're going to be in Acts 28, verse 16 through 30. It says, when we, got to Ro- yeah, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together local, the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me, but I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, We have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there have reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, examining all or explaining all the kingdom of God and from the laws of Moses, from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to, this, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become callous. They hardly ever hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented home and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. What a joy it is this morning to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. It is great to know that he is on the throne this morning, that he is still in control. And I know that many of us walk in here with things on our hearts and on our minds, and there are things that um, are heavy, some are light, but I can promise you that God cares about all of it. No matter what you're facing right now, he wants you to know that he is here for you. Let's pray to him. Let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you hear us, you understand us, you want the best for us, you have the best for us, Lord. Father, I just pray this morning that you would speak to us. Speak to us about your truths, Lord, and how you want us to live our lives according to your will, not our own. Father, I pray that we would deny self and pick up our cross 
and follow you daily. Lord, I pray that we would have a hunger and thirst for your righteousness, Lord, Lord, not the things of this world. Father, forgive us in areas where we have failed you. Search us this morning and clean us out. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would remove all distractions, Lord, everything that wants us, to, wants us not to hear your word, Lord, I pray that you would remove those distractions. Father, more than anything else, I pray that you would be lifted up so that all men would be drawn unto you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's so important today um, as we talk about real leadership and what God sees as real leadership. We have studied the life of Paul, and we have studied the life of other servants at the beginning of this, this phenomenon about going out and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with all those who we encounter. And we see that early in Acts, and, and Jesus has ascended into heaven. He has left the disciples behind, but praise the Lord, he had sent back the Holy Spirit to empower them to go and do all of what they got to do. And there were so many men and women played such a huge part in getting the gospel out so that we would have it today. But no more so than the man that I, we're going to talk about this morning being Paul. Paul's life was full of himself. <laughs> it was full of himself before he had an encounter in chapter 9 in Acts. And God got a hold of his heart and his mind and his soul and changed his life forever. And he began to be a leader for the Lord rather than a leader for the world. And aren't we glad that that happened? Many of the books in, in, in the New Testament we would not have if the Lord would not got a hold of Paul's heart. And because of that, we have at least 13 epistles, I believe there is, that we have the read and the study about what God's will is for our life. And I'm very grateful for that. Real leadership. Leadership. Give you a little definition up here. It is the ability of an individual or group of individuals to influence and guide followers or other members of an organization. Paul knew and practiced this daily. He was not only a real leader, he was a godly leader. He was a man that was governed by God's word and by God's spirit rather than his own. He lived his life according to what Jesus had commanded him to live it, and this is what he says, which I hope that one day we all can say, but I'm sure that we're not all there. In 1 Corinthians uh, verse 11, 1, this is what he says, and this is how deeply he felt about his godly leadership. He says this, follow my example. I don't know how many of us here would raise our hand and say, follow my example, because I do believe that many of us in here, we're not all setting the greatest examples. And isn't it good to know that there's grace in the midst of that? Because if there was no grace, none of us would be able to lead. Satan would have us so wrapped up in our mess that we would say that we are unfit to lead. Well, until God tells us that we're unfit, we need to lead. And this is what he says at the end of this verse. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I don't know about you, but if I want to lead, I want to lead people in the right direction, not in the direction that I want them to go, but in the direction that God commands them to go. And this is what Paul is talking about right here. I want people to follow me because I am going to live out Christ in everything that I do. I will set the right example. I will set the tone for others 
to walk in. That's pretty powerful to me. It challenges me that when I'm out and about that I realize that eyes are on me wherever I go, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm saying, and am I representing Christ in all that I do? But men and women, all of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not exempt from this leadership. See, he's called us all to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called us all to live godly lives. He's called us all to lead. And it doesn't mean that you have to be standing right here or leading something in the church. Wherever you are, God has called you to lead. The Christian leader is one who follows Christ and inspires others to follow him as well. That's who we are. That's what we are to do as believers. And I read that again. The Christian leader is one who follows Christ and inspires others to follow as well. I absolutely believe that. You see, there's this belief in our world today that there is a shortage. There is a lack of godly men and godly women in our communities, sometimes in our churches, in our schools that we look out and we, how many of us have kids in school right now? How many of us have grandkids in school right now? Some of the things that are being taught in our schools are wicked and ungodly. And we're standing aside and we're letting it happen rather than speaking up. In our communities, in our businesses, in our sports, which is the world that I come from, and in our politics. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't want to go there, Mr. Robert. No, 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 no. And definitely in our homes. Definitely in our homes. We're in desperate need of men and women who would say no to the world and yes to God. That I will live in a way that brings honor to the Lord so that those who follow will know that there is a God that lives above. That there is a God on the throne. Our society is in desperate need of godly men and women who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who are not afraid to make the unpopular stance. Isn't that weird to hear? That standing up for Jesus Christ is an unpopular stance today in America, in all places. But I am challenged to know that I better know what I claim to know. Because there are people in our community, in our society, that are going to challenge us on what we believe. They are more and more today trying to take Christ out of all the stuff, even entering in to Christmas time. Remember like several years ago when you couldn't say Merry Christmas? Remember that? Remember how they took it out of the schools? They took it out of the stores. And remember how the stores suffered? Merry Christmas because they didn't want anything to do with Christ. I've had examples in my life of, of men and women who lived for Christ and, and wanted to follow them. This one in particular person was, was my sister, Laura Ann. Lauren was a godly lady. We were just little boys. You know, it was 16 of us. Mom and Daddy had 16 of us. And so when Lauren left off to college, there were still about 10 of us at home. <laughs> and um, she really had a heart and desire to see her little people, her little brothers and sisters come to know the Lord. Because we were heathens. We did whatever we wanted to do. Of course, there was consequences with the big switch. But we were bad kids. We were rebellious kids. I was a hard-headed kid. I was a mean bully at our school. I was rotten the way I treated people and the way I talked. I was one of the best cussers there ever was in elementary school. 
we had a group of kids, it's about eight, ten of us, and we'd get together and we'd say, who, see who can outcuss one another. And man, it was fun. It wasn't fun, Leslie. But it was fun because we you could go at one another and we had these things going. And, and, and my sister would come home and, and she, she just had a burden for us. And she would come home and say, who wants to play a game? Who wants to play a game? And you know, little bad kids. Just, me, 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 me. And so she'd gather us around the table and she'd get out some Christian game. Some kind of, some, some kind of game that, that talked about Christ and talked about Moses and talked about this. And we would just look at her. Why are you punishing us? So every time she would come home, she would pray for us, and she would always have us on her mind. And it got to where when, when we were finding out that she was coming home, we would all try to find somewhere else to go. But the thing about my sister Laura is that she absolutely, sincerely loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And she exemplified that in front of us. And it led me years down the road of searching and seeking what she had, the joy and the peace and the love that she had in her life. And I so much wanted what she had as I got older. And it was through her love and through her example that Christ became very real to me. Just as we're going to find out Paul living out his life in front of so many lost people that they become to know the Lord. Such a true example of godliness was my sister, and I wanted that. And because of her, thousands and thousands of young people have come to know the Lord through the ministry that God has given me. And it would have never happened without her pouring in Christ every time she would come home to us, even if we didn't want to hear it. It was real to her. She was a leader, and she didn't even know that she was a leader, but she was a godly leader. And she just put up with our mess long enough to get Christ inside of us. We're fortunate to have two of the greatest leaders that ever led in the New Testament, and that would be Jesus and Paul. Paul lived the life of Christ. He was beaten for Christ. He was made fun of for Christ. He was run out of towns for Christ. He was imprisoned for Christ. But it was a price that he wanted to pay. Paul valued who Christ was. He didn't care about comfort. He didn't care about position. He didn't care about money. He didn't care about power. He cared about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whatever that meant to share and to give and to do, that's what he did. He set such a great example for us. He didn't care about all of the things of the world. He cared about the things of the kingdom of God. And man, if we ever get to that place in our lives where God is the only thing that really matters, when Christ is the center of everything that we do, and that our burden is seeing our lost friends become saved, if we ever get there, we're going to change this nation. This morning, I'd like to share some things with you. We're going to be coming from Acts chapter 28, verse 11 through 30, which was just read. And these are four things that I want you to catch this morning that we see of Paul's life of being a godly leader. First one, real godly leaders are not exempt from harsh realities. Real godly leaders are not exempt from harsh realities. And I think right here, this very point is one of the reasons that many of us don't want to lead. We don't want the burden. We don't want the struggle. We don't want the conflict. We don't want the disputes. And I think that's why we disappear sometimes. Secondly, real godly leaders lead even if it costs them power, position, family, and maybe even their lives. 
because it cost Paul his. Number three, real godly leaders don't compromise truth to appease people. Real godly leaders do not compromise truth to appease people. And the last one we'll talk about this morning is real godly leaders should speak boldly without restraints. Somewhere in there, we're going to fall in these categories, and I hope that we hit all of them. I hope that all of these are part of us and that we think this way, because this is how Paul thought, and this is how he lived his life. First point, real godly leaders are not exempt from harsh realities. In verse, one, in verse 16, we start there, and I, it's kind of strange to start right there, but this is the reason that I did this. Because it says right here, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with the soldier to guard him. Hey, Paul, <laughs> man, we got this little house for you. We got, you got a couch, you got, a, you got somewhere to go, you got food. But there's one other thing. We just have a guard out here that's going to kind of hang out with you. You're not really in prison, but you are in prison. When you think about that, a lot of times as Christian believers, as we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, there are going to be things that are going to come our way that are going to be difficult obstacles in our lives. And I think some of us have been fooled that when we accept Christ, we think everything is going to be groovy. Yeah, Christ, all right, I got him. Let's go. Let's go back to how we lived. But that's not so. When we accept Christ, the battle really starts. That's where it starts. If you remember for Paul, when he was Saul back in chapter 8, his life was pretty good. He was one of the leaders of the Jewish, <coughs> excuse me, of the religious cult. He was, he was really powerful. He was well-known. He had all of these things going for him. He didn't have any words. He had money. He had position. He had all of this stuff. And yet God got a hold of his heart and changed him. But this is what he, we forget sometimes about Paul. And he tells us here in verse 16, <clears throat> excuse me, in chapter 9, verse 16, he says this, I will show him how much he will suffer for my sake. Let me see. I will show him how happy he will be and how at peace he will be and he will have no trouble and everyone will love him for my sake. That sounds pretty good. Everybody wants to serve that God, right? Not going to be yelled at, not going to be fussed at, not going to be kicked out of places. But he makes it very clear that you are going to suffer for me. This walk is a hard walk, men and women. There's nothing easy about this walk except that we know when we accept Christ, one day we're going home. One day all of this ends. And Paul knew that. But Paul also knew that my job right now is that I have to go and tell the people that I worship, the place that I worship, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can't be tripped up from that. He always had this, this desire that, that one day he would go to Rome, and, and there in Rome he would preach to, to the Romans, and he would be, be this great, great, awesome, awesome evangelist. But the thing about here. And you see in chapter 27 is, is that Paul is going to Rome. He's going. But you know how he's going? As a prisoner. He's going as a prisoner. 
But he's going with his mind and his heart set on serving the Lord with all that he hath. He's going with the mindset that I'm going to tell those who are lost about how they can be found, about how Jesus can transform their lives, and nothing will get in my way. He was ready to go. And he made it to Rome. And he made it to Rome in a way <laughs> that it would have destroyed anybody else's faith. Because if you read over in chapter 27, it talks about the voyage that they took across the sea. Now, the thing about Paul, about Paul is that he was very knowledgeable about the sea. He had been out on the sea. He, he, he knew the waves. He, he knew when, the, when, when certain weathers was coming that, that how to respond to that and, and how to steer a ship and all that. So he knew all of those things. So he didn't have to worry about it like the rest of the guys did. But they were in storms. And remember, these guys are locked up. But really, those who are really locked up are those who are free on the boat. The guards, those who are keeping the guys in prison, those are the ones that were really locked. And this storm comes in chapter 27, and it pushes the boat, and, and, and Paul tells them how they can be saved, and, and he, he inspires them how to live their life, and he tells them that all is going to be okay. Paul found himself in a predicament on the ship, and right here when he gets here to Rome, locked up in prison and still wanting to share the gospel. Just because we are believers, nowhere does God's word says that it was going to be easy for us. Matter of fact, those who want to preach Christ, those who want to lead godly lives, he says our lives are going to be more difficult and that he's going to hold us who speak out about him more accountable about what we share. Paul finds himself in a predicament that he's locked up, he's chained up, but his heart and his mind is free because he has that love and that relationship with the Lord. He has the peace that surpasses all understanding, and he is free in his soul while men around him are locked up. Reality. Nowhere does God say it's going to be easy, but he does say it's going to be worth it. And this is what I encourage you to do today. Quit being afraid of what people say or what people think about you, what you will be allowed to do, where you'll be allowed to go, how will you be accepted or not, because you're on King Jesus' team, and you have all the rights and the privileges of a king's son and daughter. And to get caught up in all of the other stuff. We're so caught up into this world that we forget, he tells us, to keep our eyes on things above, not on things here on earth. Because the things that are earthly are temporal, and he says they're all going to pass away. And all that you're going to have is what you have in that relationship with Christ. That's what's going to matter. And Paul knew that. Number two. Real godly leaders lead even if it costs them their power, position, and status in life. Right here in these verses, 17 through 22, Paul is in, the, in, in, in a place now where he's ready to go. He's ready to talk. He's ready to share. What does it say? Three days later, he, he, he's up and, he, and he's ready to take the gospel out. And so he finds himself in a place where, once again, he's in a city, he's a prisoner, but what, he, what does he want to do? He wants to talk to the Jewish people. 
of all people, the very people, there's Gentiles also, but the Jewish people are the very people who continue to beat him, spit on him, continue to put him in prison, continue to put him on trial. And yet as soon as he gets there, he's ready to share the gospel. In verse 20, it says this, <coughs> excuse me, reads this way. They examined me and wanted to release me. I'm, I'm in verse 18. Because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. <clears throat> I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. And this is what he says. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with the chains. It is because I want to share God's truth with you. I don't care about my position anymore. I don't care if I'm locked up. I don't care if I don't have a home. I want to share the gospel with my lost friends. Now, this man is in prison. He's been beat. He's been shipwrecked. He's had all these things done to him. And yet all that's on his mind is telling his lost people about Jesus. When will we get to the point, and that means me too, to where we forget about all the other stuff that's going on around us and we look out and we see lostness. Because there is so much lostness out here. There's plenty for all of us to do. But we're so busy. We're so busy. We're so busy with our stuff. And this is what God got on me about this week. Robert, you have time for everything else. Where's my time? When are you going to acknowledge me? When are you going to tell others about me? When do I become a priority to you? Because everything else is in front of me when it should be behind me. He was ready to tell. He was ready to share the gospel. And I don't know about you, but listen to some of the things that he had been through. I got this from the Bible commentary, and these are some of the things that Paul had been through. Threats of imprisonment and death. Two attempts actually made on his life. He was taken in custody in Rome where you do not want to be in custody. He kept, <coughs> excuse me. He kept preaching <clears throat> even though he was being threatened. He was kidnapped. He was beaten. He was arrested many times and made fun of often. He was shipwrecked as we see there in chapter 27 and he was bitten by a viper. They just kind of threw that in there. He was bitten by a viper in chapter 27. But in all of the mess and all of the ugliness, I don't know about you, but I think I would have quit. Anybody else would have quit with me? Anybody want to be honest? I would have quit. God, get somebody else. I'm tired. I've been beat. I've been arrested. I've been made fun of. Snakes are biting me. I mean, what more do you want out of me? Paul, you have more to give. You have more to give. Because I gave everything when I gave you my son, Jesus Christ. You have more to give. And men and women, I truly believe that today, that you and I have more to give. It's just whether or not we're going to give it. 
It's just whether or not if we're going to surrender and say, okay, Lord, I'm completely yours. I surrender all unto you. Because that's what godly leaders do. Godly leaders don't think about self. They don't think about what's in it for me. They don't think about who's going to get the praise. They don't think about who's going to get the glory. All they think about is that I have a mission to do, and it is to honor the Lord in everything that I do. And my reward is when I get home. That's the mindset Paul had to have had when he comes into the presence of the synagogue all over again, knowing that these people don't want him there, knowing that these people are the ones that can't stand him, I am going there and I am going to preach because I want them to know Christ. Do you ever have that in your heart when you see some of your lost friends? When you see some of your lost family members? When you see some of your lost co-workers? Do you have the burden? I am going to tell them because I am burdened about them. Because it does take a burden inside of here to say that I want to give something more so that these people might know Jesus. I can only imagine my sister getting back into her little car and driving back an hour and a half to the college campus after we had made fun of her and kicked her around and wanted her to leave and didn't want to listen. I can only imagine what she felt right here. But you know what? She kept coming back. Well, she lived there. She had to come back. <laughs> right? <laughs> She kept bringing the games. She kept bringing the Bible. She kept praying. And I'm a product of her because of that. Paul had a burden and he couldn't rest and he wouldn't sleep because his mind was always on lost people. Didn't care about position, didn't care about his possessions. He just wanted to tell. He just wanted to share. Thirdly, real godly teachers, leaders, don't compromise truth to appease people. Verse 23 and 27, I want to read these. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he had said, but others would not believe. But others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final, final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet. And these things are very powerful. Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. How would you like to be in that position? You will be forever hearing, but you're never going to understand what you hear because your heart is too hard and too cold to receive what God has for you. We got any friends and family members like that? We do. We do. And what is our role in that? Is it to keep telling them, keep going back to them, pray for them? Yes, it is. 
Because I don't know about you, but I want to see all my loved ones when I get home. Not that it's home down the street. Home with the Heavenly Father. He had this burden. He said from evening, from morning to evening, he was sharing the gospel. That was his life. Jesus Christ was his life, right? And we read that all through the epistles. It was his life. And he shared it. And he told people about it. And he wanted so desperately to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially those of the Jewish faith. He goes on to say, You were ever seen, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Guys, our lost friends and our lost families are never going to turn and change if they've never heard the gospel. And I know some of us sit here and say, in America? They hadn't heard the gospel preached? They never heard about Jesus? Yes. And I can tell you this. There are even people in churches and youth groups and everywhere else that have no basic understanding of who Jesus Christ is and was. And yet for us, we hover around in the building, and there's nothing wrong with this building. It's a beautiful building. I like coming here to this building. But there's so much more to do outside these doors. There's so many other people that are outside these doors that are saying, what are they doing in there? What do they have in there? I want some of what they have, but no one is sharing with me. No one's telling me. I sit with my coworker every day. They've never told me about Christ. We will find ourselves one day understanding that we did not share truth with those who are lost. Their ears were so hard and so cold it's because they had been infiltrated with so much worldly stuff that that was their God then. Because we were not sharing spiritual things about our God. They're going to choose one or the other. And I hope and pray that it's us that are leading them towards Christ so that they might be saved and that their lives might be transformed. He goes on to say that he continued to preach. Some left, some didn't leave, but some got saved. Some's lives were changed forever that day. And it was because they decided that what he was speaking was truth. You see, this is the problem sometimes in, in some of our churches and some of our, some of our Christian groups and some of, some wherever Christians are meeting. We just want to feel comfortable. We just, we just want sometimes, as pastors, as speakers, we just want to water down God's word or sugarcoat God's word so, so people will just feel good about themselves after they walk out the door. But that does no good for anyone not for the person who's sharing, and definitely not for the person who's receiving it. If we come in here every week and we just feel good when we walk out those doors, we can just feel good because the sermon was so nice and sweet. Woo, that was nice. <laughs> Let's get on with our day. But there's no conviction. There's no wanting to change. There's no wanting to do a 180. There's no confessing of sin. 
There's no wanting to get bad things and bad habits out of your life. Then all we did was have a meeting. That's all we did. We just met to hang out with each other and hear some crazy man speak. Been me. He shared it. He told it. He was not afraid. Peter, Stephen, Silas, Priscilla, Barnabas, John, all of them throughout Acts, they had to make a decision. Am I going to live for Christ? Am I just going to appease the people and tell them what they want to hear, or I'm going to tell them what they need to hear so that those chains on them can be broken, never to be part of them again? I'm begging you as leaders, as those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, don't compromise his truth. Don't just try to appease people. You're not doing them any favors. Tell them truth. Because you know what? We found out about kids, teenagers, they really want to hear truth. They can really handle it. Now, some of us adults, <laughs> but teenagers can handle truth. Because someone's giving them some kind of truth every day. And I close with this. Real godly leaders should speak boldly and without restraints. Paul ends up here at the end. And he says this. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. Oh, he has a rented house now. And welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul probably knew that one day he was going to die for the gospel, but he didn't care. He said, I would rather be chained up and imprisoned and tell people truth rather than keep the truth and see all my people chained up from the truth of Jesus Christ. He wanted us to be bold people. He says, whatever that hinders you, get it out of your life. Whatever fears you have, get it out of your life. And that we should come boldly, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and talk and preach about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I challenge you with this morning, this is what I ask of you. And maybe it's what God asks of you as a leader. And a leader means every one of you who knows Christ. Leaders must be ready to suffer. You might as well get ready for it in this life. He said we're going to have tribulations, right? Leaders are going to suffer. Godly leaders. Godly leaders must be ready to die to self. Got to deny self and pick up your cross daily. Leaders must spend time preparing, studying, praying, memorizing, meditating on God's word to have strength to do what he's asked us to do out here. Leaders must lead with passion and also have compassion for those who they're ministering to. He has work for us to do. The question is, do we want to do it? Paul was in a place in his life and all of the shipwrecks and all of the imprisonments and all of the bad things that happened to him didn't matter because all he wanted to do is preach Christ. Amen. 
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are, <coughs> excuse me, you have such a great plan for us as people, as your people. Father, to be bold, to realize that we're, we're, we're going to be taught sometimes things that, that we don't want to hear about what we should do and how we should live our lives. Father, you've called us to go out and tell, to share, to tell all nations about the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, no matter what that cost would be to do that, we're to do it. Father, Acts was a great starting place of the Holy Spirit coming in and empowering the disciples and empowering us even today to talk about your goodness. Father, let us not ever think that the battle is won. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done and a lot more fighting to do. Father, strengthen us to live our lives according to your will, not our own. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.